At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to reconvene with policy and research coordinator for M4BL, the movement for black lives. And, you know, we just celebrated April 20th, and that's a sacred day for many. But when we really think about it, there are still a number of people who are languishing, black folk especially, uh, who've lost years of their lives languishing in prisons, in this drug war, as it has been called. Uh, disproportionately, nonviolent drug offenders, in fact. Um, and that war has not stopped being waged, and we've not stopped pushing back against it. And that we, of course, includes movement for Black lives. Dr. Amara Inya joins us once again. How are you, sister? I'm fantastic. It's good to be here with you. It's good, good to have you here. So, yeah, um, we we it's not in the vernacular as much as it once was, the war on drugs, but it's still happening to a certain extent, and we're still the victims, aren't we? Absolutely, absolutely. Not only still the victims, but um, still have not seen nor experienced the remedy for the war on drugs. Um, so this is multi generational. Uh, that we're still experiencing. Now, um, the the reality too is that even, and, and Biden did some clemencies and pardons the other day and some commutations, but still all of that is is but a, it's, it's really uh, uh, scratches the surface, barely scratches the surface because there are still people who are languishing and there are still people, even though they've gotten out, they won't get those years back, will they? Right. They're really, I mean, there's almost nothing that can replace time lost, right? So there's nothing that can replace having been incarcerated, particularly around um, the drug issue. Um, and nothing can replace that time lost, time out from the community, time away from family, time just not in society. Um, so yes, acknowledging the, the clemency uh, that President Biden just did and, and some of the steps that have been taken, those are steps, but it doesn't get to the root of the issue, which is the fact that we have individuals who were incarcerated um, by the state, um, many of whom are still incarcerated, yet we've seen such a dramatic shift in the discussions around drugs. Um, we've seen legalization of marijuana, for example, happening across the country in state after state. So whether it's Colorado, California, Illinois, uh, more recently, and yet we still have individuals who were caught up in the so-called war on drugs, who are still in prison, who are still languishing, um, and who have not 
as much as has been touted for things like the legalization of marijuana have, have not been able to take advantage of the so-called benefits that that legalization was supposed to, uh, supposed to bring forth. And aren't the, the, the feds still criminalize marijuana, don't they? Yes. At the federal level, it, it, is, it is not legalized. At the, it's legal at the state level, but not at the federal level. This is a conversation that apparently President Biden has indicated that he's not in favor of legalization, but this is uh, at the federal level, it's, it's not legal. Yeah, well, it, it, it so just to be clear, and I used to know this, but I don't anymore, in terms of prosecutions, are, are, are there more marijuana prosecutions or were there more at the state level than there were at the federal level? I mean, is the federal, are the feds still active in prosecuting? Well, so what happened is at the state level, the decision to legalize marijuana occurred at the state level, but it hasn't happened at the federal level. So at the state level, whereas there were prosecutions, people were getting jail time, they were getting um, incarcerated for marijuana, that's no longer the case. At the federal level, it's still the case. Now, whether or not they're putting attention to prosecutions for marijuana is another question. Um, I would argue that they perhaps would deprioritize it um, as a key area of focus because in part of what's happening at the state level, but the real um, the real push was at the state level where people, people were being incarcerated, um, jailed, getting long sentences because of marijuana. Yeah, yeah, no, that, and, and that's that's important. And, and that's that's something the movement did. That's something that the movement, you know, worked on. And that folks, we remember that didn't happen overnight either. That, part, that, didn't just, that didn't pop up. You know, we had that reckoning in the streets in 2020. You know, the fight to legalize marijuana didn't happen in the blink of an eye. That was a was an, an ongoing struggle. And we're not done. And I wonder, you mentioned, you know, the, the change in attitude and culture. Might that be because now so many white folks are drug addicted and people are talking about it and more open about it. So when we were saying 20, 30 years ago, this is not a, a, a crime, but an economic and a health issue. All over what has happened overnight, it's become a, a, a health issue because of the prevalence of the white community's addiction to opioids. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of the most glaring uh, disparities in terms of how drugs and drug use has been treated in the past. So we can go back to the 70s, the 80s, and the criminalization of drug use. And we're not even talking about how the drugs got into our communities to begin with, but just the criminalization of it. And the response was uh, a criminal response. It was police, it was prosecution, it was prison. So for, for Black folks who were mainly caught up in uh, the, the war on drugs, it was police prosecution in prison. Well, now we can fast forward to, you know, some years later, and the statistics are showing, and, and it's actually evident in communities, in rural areas, it's evident in suburban areas, white people that are now addicted to opioids, white people that are dying from their opioid addiction, um, there are few higher profile cases that are coming out. And all of a sudden, you do see this shift in terms of how we talk about opioids, how we talk about drug use, and how we talk about those who are caught up in it. So the language when it was 
pr primarily seen as a black thing. And, and keep in mind, this disparity also takes place between how we talked about the narratives around crack versus cocaine as well, right? And who was a crackhead versus the professionals and attorneys and those folks who were actually doing cocaine, which is still a drug, yet the narratives are different based upon who the users are perceived to be. And that kind of anti-Blackness was very prevalent. And it also is the reason why once the victim was white uh, because of this, this opioid epidemic, all of a sudden the narrative became much more compassionate. It became uh, it, it did shift to it's a public health issue. It's a it's an addiction is an illness. It's not just a you know it's not a criminal. We shouldn't criminalize illness. And you've seen that narrative now um, becoming much more dominant. And so it's just uh, it, it shows not just from the perception and what drives the narrative, but how those narratives drove things like sentencing. Right. So we've seen how sentencing dis disparity has negatively affected Black folks, uh, which and it's why some of so many people are still in prison now um, for having been sentenced sentenced harshly uh, in response to the so-called war on drugs. So these, I mean, it's it's a very this is just an example where it's so glaring how the narrative drove tangible policies that were harmful to Black folks, and then just like that as the push to legalization has come about, you see how the narrative now has changed. But if you look at the marijuana industry and who's actually profiting and who's really being, has been able to take advantage, it's not black folks actually, uh, quite the contrary. Uh, it's white people that are the beneficiaries. Uh, they are owning the dispensaries. They're owning the supply chain. They are uh, getting the prime licenses while the black folks who have been most harmed by uh, this, the the laws on the books that criminalized marijuana that were used to, to in this push toward mass incarceration, are not even benefiting from the industry now that it has been legal at least at the state level. Just like the the lottery took numbers from us, just like StubHub <laughs> took ticket reselling from us. And now we go to prison for marijuana and for, oh, we can get rich off of this. And, and the white kids get sentenced to counseling while we ended up doing hard time. Yep. And not benefiting economically. I mean, I, it's really important to point out when they were, when the push for legalization was taking place, even in, in Illinois, I can give that example. There, it was so much touted as almost like a panacea for all of the, generations of disinvestment in Black people and Black communities. This was going to solve all of the, the challenges that we had. The Black folks who've been most harmed should be the ones who are the most, who are the biggest beneficiaries of legalization, and it will be so. Then when you peel back the layers, what do we see? We saw that it was politically connected politicians that actually had put their hats in the ring to get licenses. We saw that large consulting firms were aiding and abetting uh, politically connected folks to make sure that they were at the front of the line with licenses. We saw that no Black folks in the first round were even awarded licenses. And even now there's litigation that's ongoing because some of those Black folks are like, this is not what we, this is not what we were told when the legislation was, when we were asked to support the legislation. So the economic benefits are not accruing as they should or should have 
to Black folks, and yet we still have folks who are in prison uh, till today because of it, because of the when it was illegal. So the war on drugs really being a war on us with legalization and the economic opportunities that others outside of our community are getting, that's another aspect of this ongoing war, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and what would Dr. Welsing say to you, us, you all? Just uh, uh, Dr. Mars in Chicago. Dr. Welsing comes came from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Bless her, bless her soul. And she would say, you know, we 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 have to be as concerned about issues in our community as in others. I went to I've been to West Virginia more times than I ever thought I would go with Bishop Barber over the past year. Mm-hmm. And when you get there. Dr. Amara, folk want to talk about the opioid addiction, which is prevalent in West Virginia. So I go there and I'm hearing this. And as a human being, you can't help but feel sad and empathize. Mm -hmm. But I caught myself, wait a minute, hold it. Time out, Mark. That's fine. But what would Dr. Welsing say? This, where was the empathy toward us? When, when, When folks learned about crack, which we later learned Ronald Reagan brought crack and cocaine into the country to fund the, the Contras. Mm-hmm. Hello. Um, they want to lock us all up and throw away the key. Hence, you know, mass, the, the true era of, of the greatest mass incarceration, the most mass incarceration in history. And it ended up electing Donald Trump because people didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton because she and her husband were involved in it. That's just a fact. And and so we we get hit going and coming. And then you have, you know, our friend, the mayor of New York, the black mayor, saying more policing. We need more policing. And we see what's happening where I used to live in Washington, D.C. Crime is up. More police in the streets. So clearly more policing still isn't the answer, is it? Yeah, and it's it's never been the answer, yet it is the default to those who are not interested in doing what it actually takes to address issues of violence or crime. Um, it, it's a, almost a knee-jerk reaction now. It's the easy thing to say that doesn't that can fits neatly within an election cycle, right? None of these individuals want to say, well, we actually do need to address all of the aspects of public policy that we have failed for generations, right? And that includes everything from education. It includes environmental hazards and toxins that our communities have been exposed to. It includes housing. It includes the economic disinvestment. Uh, It includes so many things that there are all of these areas of public policy in which we have been failed. And yet police are supposed to be the saviors. They're supposed to address all of that. So what's actually happening is that we're putting the responsibility for the rest of everything else that happens in society on the shoulders of police. And then when things go south, the answer is not, well, we we should have been addressing all of these other issues. The answer is, well, let's put more police and more police to the point where policing is eating up the budgets of most cities across this country. If you look at Chicago alone, it's over almost $2 billion, almost 40% of the entire budget is just going to policing and police infrastructure. And so every year, 
the question then becomes, well, what, what is the benefit of all of that expenditure? And I'm not even talking about what we spend for police misconduct cases. And at the same time, we have schools that cannot afford to have a nurse in every school. Cannot, we don't even have libra libraries and librarians in our schools, in all of our schools, and definitely not in the schools on the south and west side of the city where Black folks live, right? So we closed mental health clinics uh, several years ago, six of them. And these individuals, many of them got lost in the system or felt completely out of the system. So there are tangible impacts to those kinds of policy decisions that police are never going to solve. Yet, when individuals come into their positions of power, it's almost as though it's, it's a switch that you turn on to, and when something happens, oh, more police. I appreciate that, I, I believe it's the Brooklyn Movement Center that released uh, a, a plan, a response to um, New, York, New York City Mayor Eric Adams' blueprint, which when you actually analyze his blueprint plan, it's more of the same. It's actually digging into the crates for the same tactics that were used 20, 30 years ago, just slight repackaging and pushing them out there. And many, unfortunately, many cities are doing the same. And as we continue to say, we have to define safety for us does not require, is not about policing. Safety for us is about ensuring that our communities have all of the resources to thrive, that we get the level of investment that is necessary for us to thrive. Because when you go to uh, communities that have been adequately invested in, I mean, we know you can go into a neighborhood that's well-supported, that has adequate infrastructure, that has all these things, and you don't see a very high police presence, right? So we know what it looks like. But unfortunately, so many individuals who are in leadership positions, they just have fallen into the easy default, which is let's hire more police, even as they're not getting any better outcomes once they do that. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. No, you're absolutely right. Because that's not the answer. It's not working, obviously. And so the, the default has been more, has been the fun. The default needs to be defund. And people need to understand that, too. 
you know, the, the right used that and, and some scaredy cat Democrats felt as if that was just, oh, we, you know, but but we all know what defund means. Um, and in many situations, um, and, and I know you know this well, too, um, the, the need is for mental health intervention. The brother who shot up the subway. What did he say? He said, Mr. Mayor, I am a product of the New York mental health system. Then they buried that. They didn't want anybody. They didn't want any coverage on that. They didn't want a discussion on that. They buried that because that was an embarrassment. And when he said it, Dr. Amara, every single eight of the eight million, nine million New Yorkers believed it because they know the flaws in in the system. And it was obvious it was it was mental health. It wasn't about committing a certain type of crime. It wasn't related to drug violence. It was it was putting on the clothes that, and as the MTA worker. It was something was wrong there. And and so but then that got swept under the rug. Nobody talked about that. And you really don't even hear about the case anymore either. It, yeah. He was arrested. He turned himself in. It is off. Somebody shot up the subway and is off the front page. Now, if that had been in this moment of Islamophobia, some a Muslim, they would have done everything they could to relate it to 9-11 and terrorism and some fundamentalist religion piece but the brother said i'm a result of the new he that was if if there was ever a metaphorical cry for help that was not a metaphor yeah <laughs> that was somebody saying and letting us know hello that there may be others like him and so we still funding we got to get more police no maybe you, you need to, that money needs to be directed in a system to address some of these mental health emergencies Absolutely. Absolutely. And also just the reaction. I mean, I saw just from a lot of the coverage after the incident and, and people were, were were remarking as many police as are in the area, as many police in the vicinity and not a one of them were able to prevent this from happening. And I think it just speaks to the fact that the policing is so so much of it is is largely reactionary. And that in those moments, what what could have prevented this had been if this individual perhaps had had the support that he needed, uh, the mental health support that he needed, or any number of other things. But in this critical moment, the police were not able to prevent uh, this from occurring. And yet the response has, has been uh, from, from the city to default again to more police. You, you're right. And, and you and I have talked about this before. And like, the, you know, people forget the... Um public enemy song 911 is a joke for for every one of us who says we need police i put challenge you to think about the crimes that are committed against you and in your community and when and how the police have ever solved them in america if your car is stolen it's gone if somebody breaks in your house whatever they took it's gone forever so i'm not what are we funding here and and in terms of where some of the real problems are. If I know where the drug dealers are holed up, then the police know. Mm -hmm. But they feel safer confronting those of us unarmed in the car. When's the last time you saw police, uh, a, a story about police running up in one of them places to get them dudes? They leave them alone. <laughs> you, you understand? And 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 if folks, if, if they ran up in there, they may say, well, wait a minute, they... They really doing something. They got some courage. They're going to get the guys with the drugs and the guns out here killing people. They don't do that, though. They don't even try to do it. And and people, nobody 
we we don't see any evidence. We see shootings every day, but we don't see any evidence of shootings being stopped through investigation, through preemption, or through the investment in communities weeks, months, years before to prevent people from turning and, 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 and making that life. But before we go, in, in terms of the war on drugs, what what policy or policies would the Movement for Black Lives like to see implemented to finally end this? This war has raged longer. What's the thing? Afghanistan is the longest war in history? No, the war on us, the war against black people, the war on drugs is the longest war. What would Movement for Black Lives like to see happen to end this war, Dr. Amara? Yeah, so we have a number of um, policies that we have outlined um, on our on our website and that we've been pushing for a number of years. And we also are very intentional about including in our reparations demand. So we have an entire reparations toolkit that we put together um, and we take a systems approach to uh, understanding reparations and where necessary. And a part of that is reparations for the war on drugs in that we acknowledge the harm. So of course, the release of those individuals who have been incarcerated because of or as a result of the war on drugs. So releasing these individuals. We also talk about what kinds of resources that need to be put into communities, flooded into our communities the same way that it happened, uh, as you mentioned earlier, during the Reagan administration, uh, when the, our communities were flooded with drugs, right? That resources should be coming back to our communities. And so we also talk about redefining safety on our terms, that it's not through policing and police infrastructure. It is through having strong individuals, strong families, strong institutions that are well-resourced where we can actually thrive. And so we've been pushing at the at the uh, federal level, we were pushing with our um, BREATHE legislation, the BREATHE Act that we put forth, which specifies how those resources should get to our communities. We also have, in fact, uh, this week, an event with Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, who's released, uh, who's pushing the Fixed Clemency Act. Um, and this is on amendments to the way clemency is done in the United States to be uh, in a way that is actually more just than it currently is. And that's happening right now. So we're actually uh, doing that event this week. So there are many, many uh, aspects of policy that we've been pushing that are trying to undo the harm from the war on drugs, but also to restore our communities. So not just to end the harm, but what does it take to restore our communities? What does it take to make our communities whole? And that's been the crux of our, uh, of our problem push. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Movement for Black Lives, folks. You know, we can't um, say Black Lives Matter. We can't ensure uh, Black Lives Matter unless there's a movement again that's just not something that's going to happen organically either if it was we wouldn't have had to say it right i mean <laughs> we wouldn't have, if that was just going oh we black lives matter today we wouldn't have had to say that yeah uh but of course we've we've had to uh m4bl.org uh, folks uh get involved read more about this and this of course is not the last time we're always blessed when we have uh Dr. Amara Inya joined us, and she is uh, uh, actually one of the most uh, erudite sisters in this movement in terms of her policy and her analysis and her research, and we're very, very thankful for that. Dr. Inya, good to see you as always. Always a pleasure. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.